All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Gal Pal Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where I help you understand why he screams at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at SportsGalPal and, of course, on SportsGalPal.com and Gals and Pals. I know a lot of you, if you're like me, you're dealing with the winter vortex and it's cold. And I think that damn groundhog, hedgehog, whatever the heck Bill Murray ha- palled around with in that great movie, Groundhog's Day, um, was wrong because winter does not seem like it's ending. But there are signs, Gal Pal Nation. There are signs. And I'll tell you, one of the signs is pitchers and catchers are about to report. That's right. It's spring training is coming. I see all over Twitter, the major leaguers are loading up their equipment. They're getting down south. They're going to Florida. They're heading to Arizona. They are heading to baseball. That's right. I'm so excited, Galpal Nation. A full season of baseball is upon us, and my guest today knows all about that. So he has a really cool background. He actually was able to work uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers as press creator and assistant to Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. Tommy Lasorda, you know exactly who he is. Um, he's also written a book about his life called Tommy Lasorda My Way. Um, it was written in 2015, and he's about to start a podcast, and you know I'm all about that, so I'm super, super excited. When he's not talking about baseball, he's hanging out with his wife, who is in the U.S. Army, so she's Army strong, and they have a two-year-old son, and it's with great pleasure that I welcome Colin Gunderson to the podcast today. Hi, Colin. How are you? Hi, Ramona. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a privilege and an honor to be on your show, and I thank you very much. I appreciate that. So I like to start all my interviews with the same question. How'd you get into sports? That's a great question. <laughs> I guess probably, you know, just playing from when you're a young kid. You know, we learn so much through playing. And now that I'm a dad and I have a two-year-old, we're getting ready for preschool, I can really talk about this with experience, how much we learn just from playing, you know, and I think that you play with your friends all throughout your childhood and then it grows into organized sports. You know, I I played AYSO soccer as a kid, little league. And I would say, I would say through, through experiencing sports that way is how I I got into it. You know, my father was a a huge, is a huge football fan. My mom, not so much of, of any sports fan really, but, um, I would say because my friends love sports and we all played and it just grew from there. Yeah, I think that that's a lot of people, you know, like they experience it because they love playing, but you were able to make a career out of it. How'd that come about? Luck. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I am. I was so so I was an English major. So to my fellow English majors, much love out there. Um, but I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was going through college. And in my junior year, I had a girlfriend at the time and she was, she was, she had her stuff together. She already had an internship and all these things lined up and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I didn't have my mind set on that yet. So she convinced me that I needed to take an internship to help me figure out what I want to do. And I took one with Fox Sports West 2, uh, which at the time was the, the channel that aired Dodger games. And it was just, it was in the PR department, and I didn't do very much of anything except answer phones, which is fine. But the next summer, I'm a senior, and I'm getting ready to graduate. And 
I'm lucky enough. Honestly, I think it was just luck and maybe a good recommendation from someone at Fox. And I got an internship with the Dodgers in their PR department. And up until that point, I was just a fan like everybody else. I love Chavez Ravine. I love the Dodgers. I love baseball in general. I love going for so many different reasons. And when I interviewed for the PR internship with the Dodgers, you know, they didn't take me into a conference room or do it over Skype or whatever. I was actually sitting in the stands talking to the, you know, director of the department. And on the one hand, I'm trying to be very professional and sound impressive. But on the other hand, you know my eyes are scanning the blank field because how many times do you really have a chance to be in a professional sporting venue with no fans or no players? But here I am in a place that I've gone many, many times as a kid or as a young adult, and it's just me and, and, the, and a front office worker, and he's trying to ask about me, and I'm thinking to myself the whole time, wait a second, that's where Mike Piazza hit the home run in the eighth inning of this game, or, you know, I saw Mike Sosha get ran over at home plate down there about 10 years ago. It's just uh, really a surreal experience, you know. And so luckily they gave me the opportunity to become an intern. And I started as a PR intern in January of 2000. I graduated that May. I never left. I stayed on. You know, I worked the summer. And after the season was over, which was, you know, at the end of September, the Dodgers didn't make the playoffs that year. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to stay on during the off season, and all my you know my buddies were thinking about going back to get their MBA or to law school or whatever. But my heart was just on fire. I loved that summer so much, and having a chance to represent what I thought is the greatest organization in baseball, the Dodgers. And I know I was just an intern, but I didn't care. I felt like I was part of the family, you know. And it took my fanship or my love of the team to a whole different level. Because you feel so much more connected to the players and to the goal, you know. And so, I it was it was easy for me to say yes. Of course, I said yes. I stayed on, and at the end of the year, um, I had interviewed for two different positions in the PR department, and I didn't get either of them. And what had happened? The the director that I interned for, uh, you know, they they made a change and they brought in a new director. And this new guy, he didn't really know me, and he didn't see me work or get to know me during the year like the other guys did. So, um, so he didn't he didn't hire me for either of those two jobs, and I was kind of bummed. But they encouraged me to stay, and and I they I got a job selling season tickets, uh, which started in January of two thousand one, and um, it wasn't something that I was like really excited to do, but I was very excited to stay there. So that's kind of how my my Dodger days started. That's amazing. And at that interview, I would have been um, such a fangirl and said, can I run the bases? I mean, I'll be able to come back here. <laughs> I just want to run the bases at least once. Can I do it, please? You think they'd let me? I think they might. I think they might. You know, I think that you have a strong resume, Ramona, and you have a, a great you have a great following of fans and like-minded people, so they, they might want to help you out. All right, L.A. Dodgers, listen, when I come to L.A., I'm totally wanting to run the bases. Like, just, just <laughs> let me do it once. No, that's my um, ultimate fantasy. So a lot of people don't know this um, because I talk, I mean, we just got done with football season, and I'm a huge college basketball nut, but baseball is that true kind of heart, like, game. Like, again, like I told you off air, I'm agnostic, and my fans know this, so I don't have necessarily a team that I root for, which makes it better. It means I can just enjoy baseball for baseball itself. 
But one of my dreams is to take a summer and get an RV and drive all across this great country and into Canada and go to every major league ballpark in a summer. That's that's the ultimate goal. Well, take me with you. you okay, know? <laughs> we, we'll, plan, we'll plan it. We'll make a date. We'll bring our spouses and um, we'll have like a caravan of people going all across this great country. But Don't you know, you many would be cool. Many people do that, and there's a reason, you know. And first of all, the ballpark experience is special, and in my opinion, different than other sports in this country, you know. And especially now, when about I think it's maybe 20 years ago when they redid the stadium in Baltimore and they built Camden Yards, so many baseball teams have built similar, you know, kind of retroish stadiums that fit into the middle of the city that reflect the character of the particular city that they're in. And it's taken the ballpark experience to a whole nother level. And, um, you know, especially with the retro designs, it makes it, in my opinion, the fan experience, it makes the fan experience even more timeless. And I think that's something that's very unique to baseball. It is. Baseball is one of the few games where it's, it's so much better to watch it live. I mean, I can watch it on TV. That's no problem, and particularly if I'm really into like a series, um, you know, and you're living and dying by every pitch. I mean, you know, especially some of those games during the postseason this past year were so good, um, particularly that, um, what was it, Toronto-Kansas City series was so, so oh, good. Yeah. That was a great series. And um, But there's nothing like live because there's always something going on. I mean, there's always something going on, whether it's the food and the people, and it's just, it's, it's, it's just amazing. I just, again, take, if you're going to pick any professional sport to see live and at that level, major league, see a, see a baseball game above any of the other ones. Um, cause I've been to pretty much all of them. That's one's the best one. And actually the minor league games are even better. Um, in my oh, they're opinion. great. They are awesome and much more affordable. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if, you know, if you think about it, so you have football, which is, you know, um, football is what it is, but, it's very hard to get close to the actual field or the players, right? Because right. the or because the stadiums are huge, and then you have basketball, and you have a little bit of the same problem. I mean, yes, the arenas are definitely smaller, but to get down to the court or, you know, behind the basket or whatever, I mean, you're you're coming with your platinum American Express card, right? But in baseball, the 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 experience is much more intimate, and I know that that teams have made a conscious effort to extend that sense of intimacy to the fans. So they are close to the grass. They are close to the players. They're not building stadiums as big as humanly possible to fit as many fans as humanly possible in. Instead, they're capping it at 40,000, 42,000, whatever it may be, a lower number, but to make it a more intimate thing. you know. And I think for many baseball fans, and even if you're not a, a diehard baseball fan, but there's a very strong uh, memory associated with the first time that you go to a major league ballpark, you know, and you park, whatever. It takes you a minute to walk through the gates, and then all of a sudden, there it is, that green grass field, and the smell is overwhelming. And you just have to take a minute to stop and look and just experience this, and it's it just takes hold of you because, you know, when you're playing softball or Little League as a kid, you know, the fields are obviously nothing like what you're looking at at that present time, you know, and, and I think um, it's just so powerful. And in my podcast, which is the Love of Baseball podcast, I ask so many people about why they love the game. And for a lot of people, it is that ballpark experience, you know, and there are a lot of things that really separate it from other sports. It really does. All right. So 
you have worked for a major sports team. You've got to have some good stories. And you worked with a, a legend. Um, we were joking about it off air. And I mean, Tommy Lasorda, he is baseball. Like, I mean, you think of the Dodgers, you think of him. I mean, you really do. Um, at least in my mind. I mean, I'm a child of the 80s. You think of Tommy Lasorda. So, sure. <laughs> come on, give me some dish. Give me some dirt. <laughs> give me something. Come on, Colin. I know you want to. Excuse me. So, you know, when I think of Tommy, I just have so many I love so how many you just say, thoughts. when I think of Tommy, you don't use the full, like, Tommy Lasorda. Like, I'm like Tommy Lasorda. You're like, oh, when I think of Tommy. Like, that's awesome. Come on. That's like the coolest thing ever. You know, Tommy, man, uh-huh. I mean, I don't even know where to start, Ramona, but I know that, you know, I worked for Tommy for thir- for 12 years, basically, and he is like a second father to me. So, you know, the experiences and the memories that I have with Tommy are, are just crazy, but I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. So, so go, going back to my season ticket days, right? So... I'm in I'm in the job for two months and I hate it, but I love the Dodgers, so I'm staying. And all of a sudden I get an email from the secretary of the vice president of communications. And all it said was, be in Derek's office by four PM. So I'm thinking, oh man, something must have caught up to me. I did something wrong when I was an intern, I'm gonna get in trouble, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And I'm having like the worst sales day of my life, you know? And I go down at four o'clock and he says sit down and close the door so i do and he goes on this 15 minute speech about who tommy is what he means to the team to the city of los angeles to the game what he needs and he says what do you think and i look at Derek like what do you mean what do i think i was an intern last year i mean of course i agree with you he's a hall of famer what do you mean what do i think he says no the job to be his assistant is open do you want the job and at that moment, I swear to you, I thought I could. I thought that I had grown wings and I could fly because I was just so much in love with the experience. So I said, "Yeah, absolutely," you know. And I was just—it was one of the happiest days of my life. But up until that point, I had only met Tommy only a couple times, only to get something signed here or there for someone in the PR department. So it's not like I interviewed with him or the job was on monster.com, which was big at that time, going back to you as a child of the eighties like me. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I, I had no idea why they even picked me to be honest with you, but I didn't care. And at the time, you know, Tommy was down in spring training. So he gets back from spring training and for the first month he's, he called me colon, 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 uh, you know, real barky. And I, you know, I, I had never had any personal interactions with him. Only what I knew through being a regular fan about Tom, you know. And so he gets back from spring training, and he, you know, he lives about I don't know, twenty miles south of Dodger Stadium. And he calls me on the phone, Colin, call Pierre, tell him I'll be there in five minutes. Click. And you have to you have to realize like no one gave me any job training or you know his old assistant was gone so I didn't really have a chance to learn anything and I'm thinking to myself who's Pierre <laughs> so I go down to the PR department and I'm asking do any of you guys know Pierre no I go over <laughs> here you guys know Pierre no you guys know Pierre no so finally I call Tommy's wife who is just a, the sweetest that you could think of you know just sweet as can be and I say. And by now, you know, 15, 20 minutes have gone by, and I'm trying to figure out who Pierre is. I don't have Outlook. I, I don't even have, like, a Rolodex of business cards, you know. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I call Tommy's wife, 
and I introduce myself. And finally, you know, and she likes to chat for a minute. She's trying to get to know me. So I say, you know, um, I'm just trying to find out who is Pierre. And she says, oh, that's his barber. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I'm like, okay. So I hang up, you know, and I try to call Tommy's cell phone, whatever he doesn't answer. And then he comes in, I don't know, an hour later to the stadium. And I'm so nervous, right? Because I didn't call Pierre in five minutes. I'm like, Tommy, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know who Pierre was. I did. And he's like, don't worry about it. Let's go eat. Meet me in the lunchroom in five minutes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> is this like, you know, the 1988 World Series all of a sudden? Like, this guy's so fired up and we're only going to lunch, right? So... So we go down there and, or I I get down there a few minutes after him and he's with another Dodger executive and, you know, they're having salad and he says, sit down. And now it's just Tommy and I and this other Dodger executive who I knew and he knew me, you know, but it's not like we're buddies. So, um, so he says, let me ask you a question. What makes you think that you are good enough to do this job? What makes me think that I can trust you? You're going to be talking to vice presidents, presidents of companies. You might talk to the president of the United States for me. And all the while, he has his napkin tucked into his collar, see, (laughs) which is a little throwback. And salad is flying everywhere. (laughs) And, you know, as a young person, when you interview for a job, they're asking all the same questions like, what's your background? What are your goals? How could you help us? You know, all that boring stuff. And the whole time I'm sitting there getting grilled by the Tommy Lasorda. And all, I, and all I can see is the salad flying everywhere. And I'm thinking, don't laugh. Don't <laughs> laugh. Don't laugh. And all I could say was, Tommy, just give me a chance and I'll show you. Just give me a chance and I'll show you. And lo and behold, he gave me that chance. And we worked together for 12 years. And, you know, if... if uh, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget another story for you. So it was the first year of me being his assistant, and we're sitting in the press box. He had at that time he had his own little booth at the end of the press box, and you know, watching a game with him is like watching a game with the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball commentators because everything he's breaking down everything as you're watching the game. He, why is he throwing him that pitch? I would move the left fielder over. Why did he swing at that pit? You know, he's always like his mind is still always going, you know. And uh, I looked at him after, I don't know, a few innings. And I said, you know, do you, do you miss being down there? Which is probably a, a horribly stupid question for a man that spent his whole life working for the Dodgers and in the game of baseball. But, you know, now we're, we have a different relationship, right? So I, I said, you know, do you, do you really miss being down there? And he looked at me and he said, every day of my life. And I was like, wow, you know. And uh, later that summer, we are, this is, I think it's 2001, this is the year, or, yeah, when, when, um, when the Braves had McGriff mm-hmm. and Sosa, right? Right. So, so we're walking down the hall, and it's a few hours before the Dodger game because we're on the West Coast, but he wants to watch these two guys hit. And so first up is Sosa. And Tommy says, okay, watch this. They're going to throw a slider low and away. Lo and behold, the pitcher throws a slider low and away. Strike one. 
Tommy says to me, same place. Next pitch, slider, low and away, strike two. He says now he's going to throw him up and in. So the pitcher throws a fastball up and in, and Sosa fouls it back, 0-2. And Tommy says he's going to finish him off with the slider low and away. Next pitch, slider low and away, Sosa strikes out. And I'm looking at Tommy like, wow, like, really? It's, it's, you know, it's not easy to call the exact type of pitch and location four pitches in a row, especially if you're just watching on TV and it's not the guy who's pitching for you. So next up is McGriff, and Tommy goes on to do the same thing. He calls the next five pitch types and pitch locations, and he was exactly right. And I look at Tommy and I said, man, that was amazing. And he looked at me and goes, hey, pal, I'm not in the Hall of Fame for nothing. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. So I'm like, all right. Gotcha. I, I want to be gotcha. that awesome at something where I can use that line. I, that's it. That's my new life goal. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know what? He's he. You know, at that point, he was probably I don't know, seventy five, seventy six years old. But he had been playing baseball since he was seven years old, and the man has literally dedicated his life to the game of baseball. So I think that if you are if you are still podcasting when you're 75, God I think you us. too will be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and I want to come to your induction ceremony. Sure. You can do the opening speech. How about we do that? <laughs> we'll arrange it right now. <laughs> there actually is an um, Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame, believe it or not. Um, there really? Is. Yes, there is. Um, and I forget. They want you to podcast for like 10 years or something. You, like you can still be an active podcaster. It's not like baseball where you can be retired. Um, okay. You know, it, it's that sort of thing. And I'm not sure how political it is because baseball can be very political very, it can very, be it can uh, be well this past year it was yeah, yeah you know i i think that i i know this for a fact that the writers the base so in baseball you know the hall of famers obviously have a vote but it's the baseball writers association of america that does the majority of the voting and in order to get a hall of fame vote you have to cover the game for at least 10 years so you're not just a flash in the pan. So you see a great body of baseball, you know, and you can compare players of today to players of before, right? So you have more of a perspective on why who should or shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And I and I, you know, I'm not going to get political because everyone has their opinions about steroids or the suspected use of steroids. It's never maybe been proven with certain players, but I know that the people that do vote, I know a lot of them and they take the responsibility very seriously. And I think, I don't know, I think it was a year or two ago, it might have been Dan Lebetard or someone sold or tried to sell their Hall of Fame votes. And immediately the Baseball Writers Association of America uh, revoked his right to vote. You know, and I think that I've been to Cooperstown with Tommy. And for any baseball lover out there, go. Go to the Hall of Fame weekend. Yeah, especially it's, with Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, th- let's sign up for that right now. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. But but even still, I mean, it's it's just obviously it's steeped in baseball tradition and it's a special place. But I'll you know I'll, here's a, here's another one for you. Like I mean, I'm just you know so all the Hall of Famers stay in one hotel, and the hotel in the back has this beautiful veranda with the white wood and the rocking chairs, and it's overlooking this lake. And it's just a beautiful scene. And, you know, Tommy's arguing with, you know, Willie Mays about the Dodger Giant stuff. And then you look to the right and you're like, oh, wow, that's Yogi Berra. Then you look to the left, you're like, oh, I think that's Hank Aaron, you know? 
and it's 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 a surreal experience but but i can say this that and i'm not speaking for the hall of fame but in my opinion there are a lot of people associated with the hall of fame or that are in the hall of fame that want men of character to be inducted and think that those who use steroids are definitely cheaters and they take it so personally because you know like look at a guy like Paul Molitor for example who collected more than 3000 hits in his career which is very hard to do but it took him more than 20 seasons you know so you're talking about guys in every single case that spend their whole life in the game and that you know 9 times out of 10 have to do it the hard way which is they have to go out and earn it even guys like Hank Aaron you know or or Ricky Henderson or guys that break major league records that might not be broken for decades to come. Even if you have that natural talent, you still have to go out every single at bat or every single pitch and earn it, you know. And so to the fan, it seems like, oh, you know, so what if they take steroids? Everyone was taking steroids, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's so many counter arguments. But I want to see someone walk up to Hank Aaron and say, so what if they took steroids? I want to see that scene, you know. And, uh, and, and, and Tommy, Tommy is a staunch advocate for not letting people in to the Hall of Fame who use steroids, who are proven steroid users, right? And he was interviewed about this many, many times. And there are a lot of people that would, that if, even if it wasn't a, a formal media interview, if it was just, uh, you know, someone asking Tommy about it because it was the hot topic of the day, and a lot of the times that people wanted to push back, which is fine. They wanted to give their counter arguments, which is fine. And sometimes Tommy, at the end of the argument, would say, let me ask you a question. Does your son play baseball? Yeah. Okay. Would you advise that your son go on steroids? Would you tell him it's okay? And every single time, the other person would say no. And Tommy will say, well, there's your answer. Because this game doesn't belong, you know, Tommy has said so many times, it's one of his mantras, that baseball does not belong to the owners. It does not belong to the players. It belongs to the fans. And that's such a beautiful thing for me. And if you think about it, he's totally right. Without the fans, there are no professional players or baseball club owners, right? But what does that mean on the ground level? You know, it means that baseball affects all of us. It means that baseball lives in our hearts just like it does for the players, right? And baseball teaches the players and managers things, but it also teaches the youngsters things. And it teaches all of us things about life. And, you know, if you're a Little League mom or dad, and you're trying to not only teach your child the game, you're obviously also trying to teach them things about life, you know. And it was... uh, it, It really cuts through to the heart of the of the politics of getting into the Hall of Fame, you know, and and I think that when you are around those guys, you realize what a select group of guys there are. And yes, there are a lot of people that have had questionable moral pasts, but breaking the rules is a different question, you know, so. But all the politics aside, Cooperstown is wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, but 
I, I'm going to throw this out there. You have okay. a situation like Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, that amazing home run race that one season, that one magical summer where literally every person in America was watching baseball. We were all watching. It didn't matter if you were a fan or not. Everybody was talking about that. Turns out several years later, we find out both of them juicing, both of them doing stuff. We, you know, that's been confirmed. Right. But they saved baseball because that was after the strike and after everybody's like, oh, these guys are greedy. And, and I don't want to talk about the strike and all. But so how do you ignore them? How do you not have them in Cooperstown when they that season said save baseball? Well, you know, I think that's a that's a good question. You know, I, I think that going back to the perspective question about who does the voting, you know, and you can say, OK, well, you know, Sammy Sosa finished with, what, 600-something home runs, which is amazing. It's amazing. Did he use a cork bat? Yeah. Did he use steroids? Yeah. Were other pitchers using steroids? Probably, you know. Um, but when you, look, when you take the perspective question into account, you say, well, how many home runs would Willie Mays have hit if he were on steroids or if he used a cork bat? What about Hank Aaron? Would he have hit 1,000? So all of a sudden, maybe 600 home runs doesn't seem so special anymore. You know, I don't think that anyone's taking anything away from, from what they did for the game. And I was one of those people that was, that was locked on every single at bat for both of those guys. And I was one of those people that was very, very sad when the transgressions were proved. And I'll, and, you know, and I'll never forget the time where Mark McGuire was testifying before Congress and he was teary-eyed and giving his, you know, half answers. And it was sad. It was a sad moment, you know, because the saddest thing of all is that no one makes these players take steroids. They do it to themselves, and that's the tragedy of the situation. You know, so I don't, I don't know if I have a great answer for you, Ramona. Like, how can you ignore it? I don't think that you do ignore it. And I think that you do honor what they have done in, in their career in certain ways, but to make the ultimate honor of you know inducting them into cooperstown is a different question and i think that one of the great things about baseball or any sport is the competition is supposed to be mono imano right like i'm gonna line up against you and we're gonna see who's better but the whole basis of that equation is that the playing field has to be level because that's how you determine who's better right and that's why we compete that's the whole point of sports, in my opinion. So when certain and I and I know I know I know what everyone's saying. Everyone tries to find competitive advantages, and yes, that's part of the competitive process. But at the fundamental level, in my opinion, the playing fields should be level, you know, metaphorically speaking, of course. And I think that when guys are are breaking rules and the playing field is not level for everybody, then I don't think that their stats can be accurately counted as such in the, in the long run of the game. You know, I think that... And the whole asterisk thing... Asterisks? <laughs> asterisks? What does that mean to anybody? You know, and, and th th there are a lot of really worthy... There are a lot of really worthy counter-arguments, and, and this is just my opinion. But... I've been through spring trainings with the Dodgers. I've been to the Hall of Fame with Tommy. You know, and I've been to many, many minor league games with Tommy because we used to go to all the Dodger affiliates twice a year, every year, to watch them play and develop. I've been to many 
high school games when Tommy wanted to see a certain prospect or college games. And when you're around the game, you, you realize how much, truly, how much hard work and effort goes into becoming a professional ball player. You know, and you have, you have a kid who's hitting, you know, 285, and the difference in the work that you have to put in or the adjustments that you have to make to start hitting 290 are enormous. Enormous. You see a kid in, in double, in single A, and he's crushing the ball all over the yard. And you're like, oh my God, he's my next favorite player. He's going to be in the big leagues in two years. We should trade our existing left fielder. Let's bring him up right now. You know, and, and guys that have been around the game look at you like, they'll, like uh, you know, they'll just brush you aside. Because guess what? Next year, if he does get to AAA, he's going to be struggling. Because it's so hard to make that next jump at every single level of the game. And so much work and so much attitude change and adjustments mentally go into becoming a successful player that when guys cut corners it's not right it's not fair to everyone else that's done it the hard way and that's gone out and earned it year after year you know and that's and that's my true belief i think that's fair i just like to always like throw that out there because i think that whenever we talk about this and it's it's interesting that this issue has gotten into baseball so heavily it was just announced i saw the bleacher um update yesterday as i'm recording this will be this episode will go out a couple days later but um the mets um pet reliever um oh i can never pronounce his last name but no, he's a lifetime yeah. ban Mejia. Mejia, Mejia, thank you lifetime yeah. ban lifetime ban so it's still something that is forever i feel like involving baseball more than any other sport and we know that you know there are steroids in the in the football we know that there's still i mean there's stuff going on in the NBA, yet it's baseball that it's kind of attracted to. So I always like to talk to people that really, truly love and are passionate about baseball, but the issue, because I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon, unfortunately. Well, I think it's, I think they've done a strong job of trying to curtail it as much as they can. And I think now look at Mejia. Now he's gone for life. Okay. First of all, the first offense is a 50 game ban, which is a third of the season. That's a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. The second offense is 100 games, which is basically you're taking the season off, basically. You know, because by the time you get back, are you going to be in playing shape? No. Are you going to be in that baseball rhythm? No, which is very important for, for success in the big leagues. You know, have they, are they probably going to have found another player to fill your spot? Yes. But a lifetime ban? Bye-bye. Go back to the Dominican or wherever you came from and have fun not playing baseball because guess what? Last year, you were a major leaguer. Now, you'll never be in the game again. So, was it worth it? I don't know. Is it sad? Absolutely. I look at Barry Bonds. Who doesn't love to watch Barry Bonds hit? But here's the tragedy of the situation. He did it to himself. He, would, he probably would have been in the Hall of Fame if he never took steroids. Okay? He was a great hitter. He was a five-tool player before all this stuff even started. And he did it to himself. Why? I don't know. No one knows. But... You know, I think with baseball, I think they you keep hearing about it because it was a hot button issue for so long, you know, and I think that the league tried to do their best to try to clean it up. It's especially harder when you get a lot of players from that aren't from this country and they get the the PEDs at a easier easier way with, you know, kind of less scrutiny, I guess you you could say. Um, but but hopefully, you know, hopefully th- 
hopefully it's it's turning the tide and hopefully we can just get back to talking about why we love the game. So speaking of love the game, you are starting a podcast very soon um, called the for the love of the game. I believe it. Yeah. Love of baseball. Love of baseball. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, so my father-in-law is a big podcast listener and he loved John Lee Dumas. And every time they would come to our house, he'd be in my ear. Have you listened to John Lee Dumas? John Lee Dumas has been on my show, by the way. Love John Lee Dumas, and he's, he's I, I want to say, he's, he's yeah. Fire Nation has been represented on Galpon Nation. John Lee, thank you. I owe you a huge, huge thank you because at one point, you know, I I finally gave in and I said, okay, I'll listen to some John Lee Dumas, okay, because I got tired of saying no, I haven't had time yet or whatever. So I listened to John Lee Dumas and I listened to his thirteen point, you know, tutorial or whatever it is about podcasting. And he made it sound so easy and so much fun, right? I love how he, he does make it sound so easy, doesn't he? And you know what? There, it, it, it is. In, in essence, it is. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Kind of, sort of. But then you get to the more technical stuff, which is a whole different conversation. Uh-huh. But, but he is right. It is fun. And especially, I think, you know, you have a, a chance to share something that you truly love or you truly believe in with other people. And that's, that's a privilege, and it's a privilege that's been made, you know, made, uh, been given to us by simple technology that we all have, you know. So I watched the tutorial. I'm sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? Because I'm a stay-at-home dad. My wife had the office job. You know, I was in the middle of a book tour, but still, that's that's uh, that's short stuff. And uh, what am I going to do? And I'm sitting about thinking about John Lee's lessons, and I said, well. It doesn't hurt to try, you know, so I I just thought about what it is that I love most about baseball and what fans kind of respond to, you know, and really there were so many times where Tommy's players would come to the stadium and they would, we'd all sit around a lunch table or dinner table and Tommy and his guys would just be reliving the old memories and retelling the baseball stories and laughing and laughing. And there were every single time I thought to myself, man, I wish the whole world could experience what I was experiencing right now. Just the camaraderie and the fun and the love, you know? And so I said, I, I could do this. I could do this right now because I know a lot of those guys. I know a lot of the PR people around the league, right? I know a lot of the writers in baseball or the media people. I know these people. I have the access. And when you listen to John Lee or other other experts talk about starting a podcast, one of the biggest hurdles is getting guests unless you want to sit there and talk for 30 minutes all by yourself, which is really hard. It is really hard. I've tried that. No, don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, So I thought, I can get the guests. I'm not a tech guy, but I have access to the players. And I've seen how the players love to tell stories and laugh about the game themselves. So you know what? Let's bring that to the people. Let's make the people experience what some of us that are lucky enough to work in baseball have the chance to experience, which is getting to know these guys on a level that's different than just watching them on TV, which is the chance to understand that they're just like we were when we were youngsters. They loved the game. They struggled with the game. They worked hard. They maybe have more talent or different opportunities. But at the same time, they love the game for the same reasons we do. You know, 
except they get paid to play it and we pay to watch it. <laughs> they don't need to ask permission to run the bases. Right. But, <laughs> There's the difference right there. I, the get, Tommy is, Lasorda you know, comes to any a foot, any baseball stadium in America. I want to run the bases. No one's going to say no to him. I mean, let's exactly. be honest. It's just exactly. that's the way it goes. Well, we could make that into a pay-per-view event because he's 88 now. To 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 see him run would be. Sp- I, I bet you he could do it though. I think that would be awesome. No, that could be a great fundraiser. I'm sure he has a foundation. You know what? I bet he. I bet he could. Um, and I know that right now, God bless his heart, he's trying to lose 30 pounds, and he's working very hard. And I've seen, you know, I see him. I don't know five, six times a year for different reasons. And for the last year, they say, "Oh man, are we gonna are we gonna have some ribs? Are we gonna have some?" catfish we're gonna have some pasta come on tommy let's go let's go to this let's go here and he's like nope we gotta have fish gotta have salad and i'm looking like wait wait where's tommy where's tommy where's my boy tommy you know (laughs) but but he's trying he's trying so hard and uh i think he's gonna do it you know and 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 i can't wait to share tommy's episodes plural with with the with the audience but you know just I'm really excited about the podcast because, like, I just wanted to say that, you know, these guys love the ba- love baseball for the same reasons we do. And they just have a different uh, perspective on it because they play it for a living. And I'm really fired up about it. I'm about to launch right before Pitchers and Catchers Report. And I'd like to personally thank you. Just a few you. weeks, which is just a few weeks. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, and I, I want to thank you, Ramona, for all your help. I want to thank Mark Asquith for all of his help. And for those of you who don't know Mark, you know, he's a podcaster, but he also started podcast websites, which is a tremendous, tremendous resource for all you podcasters out there. And I'm so excited to share my love of baseball with the fans and really interact with everyone and, and get their take on it, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be it's a needed podcast. There's, you know, it's interesting. So I um, last summer was at Podcast Movement and I got to have 15 uninterrupted minutes of Roman Mars, the amazing 99% invisible podcaster. He's miraculous. If you've not listened to that podcast, Galpination, it is simply beautiful. And one of the things he talked about, I, I explained the concept of the show and the show literally was like six weeks in. So it was a baby show. It's still a baby show. And um he goes, there's not enough storytelling in sports podcasting. And I agree. If you look at the um, who are in the top, like 200 in iTunes, you know, it's dominated by, of course, ESPN and Fox. And, you know, and, and I get that. But there's nobody telling like stories like you're telling. So I think your podcast is needed. I think that you're going to be a tremendous success. And again, the biggest challenge is the access. I'm just now getting to the point where I'm getting access to guys like you and other people. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But for you, you, you've got that immediate hurdle. And I'm so thrilled um, that you came onto my show and that um, we can introduce this. So Galpa Nation, if you um, want to, again, the site's not up yet, but it will be up in probably a couple, hopefully a couple. Like, how long we got to wait here, Colin? For the oh, website? just, just, just hopefully momentarily. <laughs> if my, if my in-laws can keep watching my toddler so I can just finish the last little touches <laughs> of the site. And when iTunes approves the content, then boom, we're up. I'm hoping for February 17th, maybe even earlier if iTunes is quick. All right. Okay. Well, that's just a couple of days. So again, it's loveofbaseballpodcast.com. The link will be in my show notes on sportsgalpa.com. Um, Colin, if the um, Galpa Nation wants to connect with you, wants to talk some baseball, where should they go? Well, we're on Twitter at LOB underscore podcast, or we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash LOB podcast. 
or you could interact with us on the website or you know you can give me a call <laughs> <laughs> if you can find my number go ahead and give me a call i'll be happy to talk to you that's hilarious i have his number but i'm not sharing it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always get my guest phone numbers just in case something like happens and I'm like away from my computer. Like, no, we can't do it because of this. That's happened. Um, but you know, but you know, Ramai, I just want to say that's one of the things about uh, that I've learned about podcasting, which is it's not just you talking into a mic. I truly look forward to interacting with anybody that wants to talk baseball. And if you want to talk baseball, if you have a guest that you want to hear, send us an email. If you have questions about a certain guest that you might hear that I'm going to interview in the future and you want me to ask him those questions, send me an email, tweet us, Facebook, whatever, reach out. Because this isn't my game and I don't view it as my show. I view it as I'm a fan, just like everybody else, except I have the lucky opportunity to get in touch with the players. So I look at it like I'm a conduit between the fans out there and the player. If there's something you want to know and I have a chance to ask, I, I'll do it. If you want to hear a certain guy or a certain woman talk about baseball, I'm all for it. Let's get it going. I'm looking forward so much to interacting with the other fans out there. And I think that's one of the beauties of podcasting is that you have the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. And again, make sure, gals and pals, to go to my show notes. It's um, sportsgalpa.com. Um, I've got a new feature for most of my guests. I'm trying to be very good this year with my show notes, Galpa Nation. But, you know, I have a lot of things going on, um, some things I'll be announcing. So two things going on. First thing is, is that Colin has answered my seven questions every sports fan needs to know. So if you want to find out those answers, and some of them are very interesting, particularly your favorite um, sports food. Don't sell them. They need to go. Um, but that was unexpected. Um, I'm not well, even going to if you've if you've sat through enough hot summer games like I have, you'll understand why. Yes, no, it made perfect sense once I think of it that way, but not would not have been my first choice. But it's delicious anyway. So um, so there's that. So definitely check that. And then Galpon Nation, um, we will have a new opt in. So I am starting my bracketology challenge. If you want to play college um, bracketology, that's right. March Madness is coming, guys. It's coming. I can't wait. Virginia, better be one seed. Keep playing hard. Um, I'm a UVA grad, Colin. I, wow, I almost got really? through, I almost got through an entire show without mentioning that once. That's a record because I normally mention it at least 12 times. I've got many letters. I don't care. Yeah, no, proud graduate of UVA. Oh, yeah, all about Omaha. All about <laughs> Oh, yeah. They just got their rings. I saw them. I'm like, oh, my God, they're so pretty. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we have the oak. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, Davenport. Uh-huh. Uh Well, you know, my wife and I, we live in Alexandria, Virginia, so we're surrounded by UVAers. See, that's not a bad thing, Colin. No, it's not. I didn't realize you were still in Virginia. I'm in Virginia. I'm in the Hampton Roads area. Okay. Well, we're neighbors. We are practically neighbors. We should meet up and and watch UVA baseball. Anyway. (laughs) Or Nationals games. Um, Okay. You know, that's probably down the street from your house. Anyway. Small world. Anyway, but yeah, you can listen to that, but definitely opt in. You can play. We're going to have some great prizes. Um, I'm probably going to have some celebrity podcasters who are into college basketball. I'm trying desperately to get John Lee Dumas to do it. Yes, 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 because he's a Providence grad. Um, so he's all about um, Providence. So they're not, they're kind of not having the best run of it lately. Um, don't bring it up to him. He gets upset. Anyway, <laughs> but if you want to do that, opt in, sign up for my email list. Uh, you can see there the um, the, the um, opt in boxes, hashtag join Galpal Nation. I do not sell your emails. I don't send a bunch of them out because I am busy, but I will be sending it out. So if you want to um, be part of this, then you've got to sign up. Um, I'm only taking pre-sign-ups. 
for sign this. up. Yeah, sign seriously. up. Why not? Because you why get not tr- sign up? Because you get like in, in the group and everything. You get the trash talk sports gal pal. It's fantastic. You get to like be with me as you know. Once again, the NCAA will probably put Virginia against Michigan State, and Tom Izzo and his beady eyes will kick us out. It will happen. I know it because because that's my luck. So and then you get to like oh, ha ha Ramona ha ha. Yeah, it will happen. So Ramona Ramona, just send send a tweet to the coach of UVA. Which, and write this, write this. Tony Bennett say, or call, or um or um whoever your boy is, whoever has the most influence on the players. <laughs> that would be Tony Bennett. He doesn't have Twitter. <laughs> okay, well send it. I know you know him. I know he's your boy. Oh just yeah. Call him up and say, I just heard this great quote, and it goes like this: the difference between the impossible and the possible lies in a person's determination. Who said that? Tommy Lasorda. Well, there you go. But you tell that to him and tell him to tell that to his players. And when they face Michigan State, it's going to be a different story because they believe in themselves. Yes. That or they need to rebound better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Colin, again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Ramona. I've had such a good time. And to, to your nation, I say thank you. And I look forward to hearing from everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal Podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.